0: This is WOMM LP operating out of Billington, Vermont, 105.9 the radiator. Good evening. It's the Rocket Shop. I'm your host on Proxy, and with me tonight is Toussaint Saint Negritude. Hello. Hey. hey. Uh, how How's it going this evening? It is going great. Um, thanks so much for having me.
1: I'm um, looking so forward to, uh, to being here. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I've been reading your bio, and I think we've probably got quite a lot to talk about. It sounds like you've had quite an illustrious, long, and interesting life. Yes, and
1: uh, I'll be 64 this summer, so I'm proving, (laughs) uh, you know, I'm still alive. Thriving, I would say. uh, Trying to. (laughs) But, yeah, whenever I have a chance to talk to, like, a a 21-year-old or 18-year-old aspiring artist... Mm. Um, I'm sure the parents hate me because I'm <laughs> like kid let me tell you like like do it <laughs> do it don't get a job
0: forget school yeah yeah <laughs> you don't need Just, it yeah do it full time <laughs> yeah I'm living proof yeah no I can imagine a few parents been cringing overhearing those conversations yeah uh, well, we like kicking it off with a song. Um, now you're a poet, so uh, kicking off with a poem. I, I, okay. You take away whatever it is you're going to be playing. Great. Thank you.
1: Okay. I'm going to start with, um, uh, with a poem called Cosmographies in Bloom. And I'll be playing the alto clarinet along with it. Down a song flowing north, amid the boreal wilderness of innermost transformation, appears the realm of the soul-rising mountains of the moon at dawn. Obliged by the gods, down a song of stars and coniferous splendor, greens the calling of reaches higher than our shadows can modernly conceive. Down a song, down a song flowing north rises the dawnland of illuminations, welcoming the innermost of elevations to passages of expansions duly received. Behold such noble means of galactic introspection. Behold each peak, each peak, each peak, surrounding each surrounding peak, upon peak, upon peak. Behold each bewitching reach. Behold this ascension of irrepressible peace. Behold your emancipation from all dominions otherwise. For here is where your unconquerable wilderness glistens in the liberty your passion calls home. Welcoming all illuminations to the dawn land incandescence of innermost reclamation. Unshackling the sages from the ages, long now blazing and found. Down this song flowing north, amid the boreal chicories, lining the cosmos from the astral floor, appears the realm of the soul-rising mountains of the moon at dawn. Obliged by the gods of blossoming cosmographies, behold this land your passion calls home. <laughs>
0: Right. right. Toussaint Saint Negritude there with yes. Cosmography in Bloom. Yes. So Toussaint, uh, tell us a little bit about that poem. I mean, I feel like i get, I got a few vibes. You painted a picture while yes. obviously you were reciting it, but uh, I guess in your own words, uh, tell us a little bit about that poem.
1: Uh, it's definitely inspired by the, the land here, uh, the mountains, uh, the Northeast Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Live. Um, I'm I'm really inspired by mountains. I, I really love uh, the mountains.
0: And so you live up in the Northeast Kingdom, mm-hmm. so obviously a fair few of them up there. Jay Peak, I think one that I, I think's a, a favorite up there, Mount Snow as well, is is around uh, those ones. Uh,
1: Burke Mountain. That, that's one of the big ones. Yeah, and Jay Peak. And the great thing about the kingdom is that there are a bunch of like unnamed mountains, mm. or, or you know, it's such a wilderness mm. up there. But um, I, I'm a Afrofuturist poet, and so I I really um, and it's just kind of how my poetry is kind of shaped. But let's um, screw up closer
0: for the uninitiated could you tell us what uh an afrofuturist is
1: it's uh, yeah sure it's um you know it's interesting uh the the definition is evolving Mm. but it's um uh you know it it has the name afrofuturist but it really goes beyond the afro part Mm. and it's um um it, it's uh, like liberation because uh, it, it's very um socially and um it's an interesting mix of uh of like art and um liberation from like uh, uh from oppression uh and liberating yourself through, uh, through your own imagination and through your own like visioning and kind of like uh, uh, like the practice of manifestation mm. of manifesting things into being, uh, visioning, and um, uh, I, I I think a classic example of Afrofuturism is Martin oh. Luther King's speech. Mm. Of you know, one little one day, you know, my four little girls, you know, uh, the the practice of of envisioning your
0: way out of a hellish situation. I see. And yeah. you said that the the term the the definition is evolving. Um, was there a point where you didn't consider yourself an Afrofuturist, and because that term has now evolved, you're like, well, actually, I fit into that category, or is this something that your understanding of who you are has evolved as this terminology has evolved as well.
1: I, I so you, you phrased it perfectly.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I've always, yeah, I, I've always been an Afrofuturist, and I I didn't really learn the term till uh, I don't know, maybe like ten years ago, mm. but I I've always um, in in my poetry world, you know, my creative world when, when I'm writing, um, I, I, I step out of uh, present tense, past tense, future, mm. and it, it, it becomes so kind of trans-dimensional that um, it's just the way I've always seen things where someone from a 100 years ago can uh, converse with someone of today or tomorrow and and just really kind of getting rid of a of boundary of, of time and place and then, you know, class and, and
0: all of that. We were speaking a little bit before we came on air and you mm-hmm. said you're uh, you kind of a worst nightmare for parents when talking to a aspiring 19-year-old musician. Um, and is... It, the fact that because you are a futurist, ha- have you manifested yourself this this ability to, to basically do what you love? And and obviously when talking to those 19-year-olds, you're telling them to do the same thing. Has yes. um, this been something as a, a small kid that you've kind of envisioned for yourself and it's kind of come, come about because of this kind of mindset? Uh,
1: yes, absolutely. And, and uh, I mean, honestly, you know, as I look back, throughout my entire life, I can see that that yes, I've definitely been like manifesting the whole way. And I really don't, uh, I say manifesting, but I, I think it's definitely, um, you know uh, power's much greater than me. <laughs> but um, but I, I moved to Vermont in uh, 2009. So I've been here, I think like 14 years now. And uh, it's really been since I've been in Vermont that it's really kind of like hit the gas mm. a, as far as uh, really, uh, r- really like like living my life, um, being growing up in San Francisco, living most of my adult life in San Francisco. Uh, it's always been an ext- an extremely expensive city so uh, a day job was always mandatory it's funny you know when i moved to new england you know i met people who had like five jobs and all these like multiple jobs i don't remember anyone doing that in san francisco but whatever job you had you had to work you know a thousand hours a week um, so that was always kind of a bummer because it it it, it, it put my my creativity on a back shelf, uh, you know, working forty hours a week or or more, and uh, and moving to Vermont, I've been able to uh, not have to be so stuck on a day job. Uh, but, you know, as things have gotten more expensive, I have a full-time job now. But, um, but yes, I, I have definitely seen the, the fruits of, uh, of manifesting. And, and I think it's um, it, it's really... And, and this is what I would tell a 19-year-old. Um, and it sounds so cliché, but... Because uh, I can remember people telling me this when I was 19 like just pursue your passion just do it and I would turn to them and say you know my landlord doesn't take passion (laughs) he takes cash (laughs) and uh uh but now I get it and um so yeah I, I think it's definitely possible
0: as you said you you moved to Vermont uh you know 13 14 years ago Mm. um grew up in san francisco but there's been many places in between that uh that you've Mm. also lived um Mm. the uh philadelphia Mm -hmm. um maine i would imagine based on your one of your professions um and yeah and and haiti as well which uh as you were speaking before you you lived there for like three years yeah so could you could you give us the 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 cliff notes of kind of you know where you've been and you know what what have you kind of picked up along in each place uh, thank you i appreciate the question well haiti so i was 19
1: when i moved to haiti you know i had never lived outside the country i was 19 i was as naive as possible but it was uh, 79 and you know Coming out of the '70s, uh, Black Power movement, growing up in the Bay Area, uh, when I was like in elementary and junior high, the, the Black Panthers were, you know, parents of friends of mine in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and, and and my, my mother was uh, an activist and involved in a lot of uh, program, a lot of stuff. And um, um, you know the '70s, uh, San Francisco. Um, Maya Angelou was living there. Uh, Sonia Sanchez, and you know the uh, remaining beat poets, and and so I, I grew up in that environment. And when I went to college, or when I left high school. Um, I really wanted to go to Africa, and or to experience more of Africa, and the, the whole kind of back to Africa movement was kind of part of the period. E- even if you couldn't actually go to Africa, you know, uh, people were taking African names and wearing African clothes, and you know, Cassius Clay became Muhammad Ali. I I only say that just to remind people because I, I I don't know if people today realize how significant that that moment was. Um you know when James Brown came out with Say It Loud I'm Black and I'm Proud, no one had ever said that out loud. Like there was <laughs> there was no concept of being black and proud of being black. Like like that that was that was uh, that was a bigger breakthrough than landing on the moon. So uh, when I went to college, I I wanted to go to Africa, and uh, I was always curious about the Caribbean and and all of its Africanness. And uh, from what I understood, Haiti Haiti and Brazil, but I th- I, I think especially Haiti. Is like the most like uh, it's the, the the most African place in the Western Hemisphere, um, and in the Voodoo there uh, there's a a special language that's used in the Voodoo ceremonies that among modern day Haitians it's just thought of as a secret language that only the Hoongong, who's like the voodoo priest. You know, just no one really knows what the words mean. It's just like some secret language. And while I was living there, uh, the ambassador from Ghana came to visit Haiti, tour around, and he went off uh, into the countryside uh, to witness like an actual voodoo ceremony. And they started speaking this and Creole, they call it langage, which is just French for language. And um, people usually speak it when they're in a trance, or under possession, like voodoo uh, possession. And uh, the Ghanaian immediately recognize this langage as, as just a, a common tribal language from Ghana. That that was still intact after 500 years in Haiti, uh, which uh, I think that really sums up a lot of, like, uh, how much culture has been retained Mm. in Haiti.
0: Yeah, that's quite actually a story. I, I would love to uh, get a linguistics take on how that happens, that it can even it can rec- be recognized 500 years down the line uh, without too many changes, that it becomes its own language. That's fascinating. Um, did your experience... Had you been writing poetry prior to going to Haiti? Were you writing poetry in San Francisco?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I started in like the fifth grade... And um, I I remember my English teacher, um, uh, uh, this one English teacher who introduced me to poetry. Mm. And before that, uh, the the only writing I had done was like reports. Mm -hmm. And uh, I enjoyed it, but she always gave me red marks. for being too flowery, or being too descriptive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and one day she was like, I'm gonna introduce you to this thing called poetry. And she you know, gave me a piece of paper and she was like, I'm like, what's poetry? She was like, you can say whatever you want, however you want. You can write the words upside down, you can misspell them, you know, total freedom. And that totally turned me on. And um, I have not, not to gloat or anything, but thinking back to then, like like freedom has always been important to me. I, I've always been turned on by liberation and total autonomy, total freedom. And uh, and and that's what that
0: page gave. It's quite, um, I'd say, a modern way of teaching poetry. I think I remember poetry of limericks and a haiku and maybe a little bit of Shakespeare thrown in there. I was never given a page and just told I could do whatever I like. And I, I can imagine being taught poetry that way just... Blew open the doors in your mind. Was from then were you just scribbling in notebooks forevermore? It's, exactly, exactly. And
1: and I'm so glad she did introduce it that way because I had been really um, I had felt so disconnected from like the Shakespeare and the traditional poetry that that you know we were given, you know all like ancient stuff. Mm. And you know here I am, a kid in San Francisco. They could have given me some,
0: um... um Walt a, Whitman or something. <laughs> yeah. right,
1: or, you know, contemporary San Francisco mm. poets. But, um, and when I was Poet Laureate in, uh, so I was Poet Laureate of the town of Belfast, Maine. Uh, some people think I was Laureate of the state. No, I don't want to. Maybe one day. <laughs> but, um... Um, you know, I, I I'll debut this here, but I am currently preparing to campaign because <laughs> apparently you have to actually campaign to be the next Vermont poet laureate.
0: That's great. That's fantastic. What uh, an exclusive. Uh, yeah. So here, there's <laughs> exclusive.
1: Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be an interesting experience. But, uh, but when I was po- Poet Laureate in Maine, um, my main goal was to, in connecting poetry to the people, to the community, uh, taking it off that glass pedestal, that, you know, academic and snobby, and, you know, break that to bits, mm. and, and really try to... Um, Encourage local people to use their own voices. You know, tell your story in a poem and your voice, however it is. Um, you know, it, it didn't hurt Bob Dylan. <laughs>
0: True. <laughs> um, for the uninitiated, what's, what is a poet laureate and what is the job of a poet laureate?
1: Uh, uh, to um, to share poetry, to encourage poets, uh, I really lean more on that part of, mm. of encouraging um, all the poets of your community, um, um, making poetry more accessible. Um, uh, not just uh, literally, but uh, content-wise, um, I'm definitely a huge proponent of um, uh, poetry that's inclusive mm-hmm. of of all voices, all uh, you know, people of society. Um, so yeah, that's basically it. It's it's not a paid position, uh, but you're just, like, an ambassador for poetry.
0: I love that we still have that as a role in society, to be honest. Uh, I feel like that could have been something that got taken away from us by Reagan or something, but instead we still we still hold this esteemed position in our community, which sort I of think is fantastic.
1: I'm so glad, and I'm, I'm reminded of how, like, um how how you know poets have been killed mm-hmm. how th- th- that that is such a powerful voice and you know i'm i'm glad that i still have the freedom as an american to sit here and share poetry but i'm also mindful that um you know, if if we were living under the McCarthy
0: era, mm-hmm. um, you know, we all might be in jail, <laughs> most yeah. likely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have been outed as a red a long time ago. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, well, we'd love to hear another poem. Okay. So, uh, well, yeah, what's what's coming up next? Okay.
1: Okay, this next poem is called In Pots Big as Human Dignity. This is definitely a time-shifting Afrofuturist poem. Once upon a time, there will be this thing called freedom. Oh, if I could only show you the view from there. Liberation for as far as your soul can see. We'll all be loving all the love we please. Once upon a time, there will be this thing. There will be this thing called freedom. By this point, folks will have consciously obliterated all forms of bigotry a long, long time ago. No presumption of supremacy shall ever be allowed there. Once upon a time, there will be this thing called freedom. We will know this to be true, because we have always known this to be true. As is the artistry of the horn of the moon, the handiwork of our liberation shall be painted clear across our lives in all the spectral hues of translucent transformation, transcendentally raising all ascendant affirmation. Once upon a time, there will be this thing called freedom. Liberation for as far as your soul can see. In pots big as human dignity, folks will be cooking up radicalizations of things that today we couldn't even think to believe. There will be jazz and beats of people dancing in the streets folks will be so free so free folks will be so free won't nobody remember any other way to be oh if i could only show you the view from there
0: In pots as big as human dignity, thereby Toussaint Negritude. Uh I didn't know quite what you meant when you said about the tenses. And I think that's uh, such a great poem that showcases that. Um, I think the phrase, once upon a time there will be, will mm. stay indelibly in my head from now on. Yes. Um is this a theme that runs through a lot of your poetry, this kind of present, past, future tense uh, yes. combined? Uh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it it, it just makes sense to me. It, it's it's the older I get, it's becoming more of a reality. <laughs> I'm I'm not crazy. <laughs> but but it's becoming more of a reality than um than the one we know.
0: Yeah. I feel like your your poetry is kind of scattered or it seems to me from the two poems I've heard so far scattered with this uh kind of metaphysics um theme. Um, there's definitely space and cosmology goes into this as well as freedom. How how do those two interact for you? Why do those two things appear on the same page?
1: They they it's it's always just clicked for me and I think also, kind of tying back to my childhood and just the period of like the seventies, that you know was psychedelic. Um, uh, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, with the name Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, you know, Parliament, Mothership Connection, and uh, and I, I've I've always loved uh, space and stars and uh i've always been curious about it and um so yeah it's just something that that's always yeah kind of connected for me
0: and then obviously another big element of your work is is nature and -hmm. i can't help but think that you're in san francisco not exactly big on nature huge big city uh and then you're also in philadelphia which again great city but still a city yeah and so it seems you've kind of into you've led these kind of this double life of Mm -hmm. living in in like very bustling metropolises or really out in the sticks really out in nature
1: it 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 cracks me up (laughs) you know just you know looking at myself sometimes like you know when i'm like splitting wood all winter, Uh, you know, and even, you know, what did I know about splitting wood in San Francisco? But uh, yeah, you know, it it, it works for me. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I've been in Vermont so long, it's been a while since I've been back in a city, but uh, I still love cities and still enjoy them. Um, As much as I've adapted to Vermont, I I still carry a lot of city in me. And there's a lot that I appreciate about cities so much. I I think culturally cities can be so rich, but um, yeah. (laughs) How
0: how does it Um, affect your poetry from one setting or the other? I mean, obviously you've been in Vermont now for 14 years, so you know probably fairly used to it at this point but do you did you notice when you were younger that your the, the style of your poetry would change in one place or the other Uh yes
1: Uh I remember like um like during the the 90s in San Francisco I was um I I didn't start playing the clarinet till I was 30 like right after my 30th birthday, which was really like old to take on an instrument. And I didn't have any confidence or faith in it. I I was very happy at that point of, uh, of being a, a music lover who doesn't play music. I, I was, yeah, <laughs> and that, that was totally fine with me and, and I really enjoyed listening. But... Um, I was listening to a lot of Coltrane and then got introduced to Eric Dolphy, who played the bass clarinet. And that really challenged me to to get into the clarinet. But uh, uh, as relates to my poetry, you know, living in the city, uh, a lot of the poetry I was writing then, it it, it was an interesting mix of of both, uh, you know, street imagery, Street, concrete, urban imagery uh, with nature, because you know, as as urban and gritty as San Francisco is, it's kind of unique in that it it's surrounded by like Northern California, so it's surrounded by you know redwoods, which are you know instantly mystical and spiritual. And uh, and you know mountains, coastal mountains, and then the sierras. And as a kid, my mother uh, had like a weekend ritual of taking my brother and I, like, would take a drive somewhere to one of the state parks or somewhere, get out of the city, and and I just loved it. Uh, as much as I. Considered myself a city person and enjoyed the city. I I always loved um, the woods and mountains, and um, from San Francisco, like from some of the, you know, it's it's a really hit, hilly city, and there are a lot of hilltop parks, and uh, from a lot of these parks, you can look across the bay and and see, like, mountains. which um, was really beautiful. So I, yeah, kind of had this almost, like, schizophrenic, like, appreciation of both uh, nature and, and the city. And, you know, for all the love of the city, it, it is chaotic. And especially as an artist. <laughs> like, there was, you know, I always had to have 10 roommates because it was so expensive. Mm-hmm. So there was no no concept of like a quiet space to write or work on anything. And um, so I found myself like, you know, going deep into Golden Gate Park, the big park in town, or, uh, you know, taking the bus outside of town. Uh, I figured out how to take like, multiple buses to get to the redwoods like around santa cruz and i'd spend the day in the redwoods but um yeah so
0: is is that what then eventually you know decades later drew you to the northeast kingdom was it yes it was like you you were finally ready to actually settle within yes. that nature
1: that's exactly it because my my, my adult goal in California was to move up to the Sierras, like, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to live in the Sierra Mountains in a cabin, and that that, that was my goal, and uh, when I moved to Philly, and I, I was there for three years, and then I was ready to, to go back to San Francisco and maybe work towards that goal, and... Uh, <clears throat> but then, having been on the East Coast for a few years, I really kind of got into it. I, I got into the seasons. I didn't really want to give that up. I, I really, I love winter. I know, which is weird. I, I'm not a hot-weathered person. But that little heat wave we had last week, I I was I was cussing by the second Oh, day. no. Yeah. Seriously. Like, I... Yeah, I <laughs> I'm not a hot... I specifically moved to the most northern part of the state, assuming that I would, like, get rid of summer.
0: <laughs> but um, You have to move a bit further north to get completely rid of summer. But uh, at yeah. least it's a lot shorter. Uh,
1: exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, w- when I was in Philly, I um, um, took the train up. Up to Vermont just to check it out, just for a weekend, and I stayed with a friend in Burlington. And as soon as the train was going, you know, up, up the Green Mountains, it reminded me so much of Northern California, and I was like, "This is the perfect compromise," you know, because uh, at that point, uh, rents were already at like the, you know, two thousand a month. Level, which was like ridiculous now they're like three thousand a month, and i I thought Vermont, oh, you know, I can get a five bedroom apartment for twenty bucks a month. You know? <laughs> I that, wish that, yeah that, that, exactly <laughs> that that was my thought. I was like nobody knows no nobody knows about Vermont. like I had found some hidden gold mine, but that was it, and I've been here ever since.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. My okay. my partner actually comes, grew up in the Northeast Kingdom. Oh. So, yeah, Nick Lover, uh, okay. which I know you have some interaction with because you, you've also performed at Bread and Puppet, yeah. which must have been a really interesting experience. They they incorporate a lot of poetry into their performances. I,
1: I, I, I love it. and I Yeah, oh. I, I love
0: Bread and Puppets. Is that how you were? Did you perform within one of their performances, or do you do you just did you perform like as a solo artist for them, or or for a, like a special showcase or something?
1: Well, uh, yeah, on my own, hmm. uh, but I, I've been kind of like a long term like guest of Bread and Puppets. Uh, I've never been an official member, hmm. but uh, when I first moved to Vermont, I. Uh, landed in St. Johnsbury mm. and I worked at Catamount Arts um, and after like the first year in St. Jay I was like I need to get to the woods mm-hmm. and because um, being a city person you know uh, you know city people hate small towns mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and but but I love the country I mm. love the woods kind of like the, the two extremes mm-hmm. of, you know, it's it's either Manhattan or the Kingdom. Yeah, but like like nothing in between. And um, so I ended up finding this great cabin up in Sheffield, right right uh, near Glover, and uh, and I ended up hanging out at Bread and Puppets because suddenly um, you know I'm a gay man, and suddenly I'm seeing like other queer people saying like a few people of color which is refreshing <laughs> uh but they definitely seem to be like like my tribe mm-hmm. and uh, that's
0: uh, yeah yeah um well we've just chatted on and on and on and i've yeah. not really let you speak very much poetry we've got about time for one more poem okay. if you could please uh kind of play us out i guess in a way
1: okay yeah. <laughs> Okay. Okay, this last poem I'm going to do is called Like Alice in the Garden of a Dananda Dream. And the title is inspired by Alice Coltrane, one of my favorite uh, artists, uh, pianist, and jazz harpists. Um, I definitely recommend Alice um, if you haven't heard her. So this is Like Alice in the Garden of a Satradananda Dream. The day green, 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 green as the day before Columbus. Green, 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 green as the day, green as the day before, before Columbus, like Perseids in perpetuity green green as hallelujahs in bloom green 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 green. the orishas of our fruition shall conjure beyond known bounds of comprehension like melodies and receptivity green 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 as galaxies in profusion profusion like orbs of dolphy dolphy in connectivity ours is a dogon cosmology in defiance in defiance of all colonization Leaping, leaping, leaping skies in seeds of wizardry. Leaping skies in seeds of wizardry. We are that crystalline dignity. Impervious, impervious to monoscopic conclusions. Shifting the consciousness, shifting the consciousness, shifting the consciousness, shifting the consciousness like. Emissaries in perpetuity like the affronicity of Obatala on a far northern street like the frontiers of infinity shifting the consciousness, shifting the consciousness like Alice in the garden of a Satchitananda dream, keeping, keeping, leaping whole categories. We are green as galaxies in profusion shifting the consciousness shifting the consciousness like Alice in a Satchidananda dream.
2: (laughs)
0: in the Garden of a Satre Denundra Dream by Toussaint Lent saint Negritude. Thank you so much for coming in. This was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, before I wrap up for the evening, could you let us know, uh, one, how do we help you become Poet Laureate of Volant? <sighs> And second um if people want to come see you perform how where where does one do that uh,
1: Apparently uh to become laureate in the state you just have to have a whole bunch of people nominate you All right So <laughs> and uh it's the Vermont Arts Council that um does it so yeah send them uh, send them an email saying yeah it's awkward to campaign
0: for myself. But, no, I, but, um, I, I totally get it, but I'm sure everyone in here will, will send across a, a quick email. I, um, I appreciate it. And the,
1: the next show I have, um, sorry, i sorry, I don't have the date. I can email it to you, but at a, a venue that'll be new to me, sounds like a great venue in Bellows Falls. Mm. Uh, it's a real listening room um that nothing is served there are no drinks it's, it's just a room for music mm. uh, so i'm looking forward to that and then actually in glover um the town of glover is uh having i think what they're calling a freedom festival uh in july and i'll be performing there and it's a great thing, great credit to the town of Glover, um, it's, uh, there's some sort of multicultural committee of Glover and this festival is their attempt to literally bring BIPOC performance to Glover and kind of introduce the people to, uh, to some culture beyond.
0: Beyond Glover. Excellent. Which is <laughs> good. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you also have a website, uh, yes. com, and you can find that on the Big Heavy Word website. Yes. If you can't spell it because it is quite a lot of letters. Yeah. It,
1: it's <laughs> it, it's my, my full name, Toussaint and then S-T for Saint, no dot, no period, all lowercase,
0: uh, Negritude.com. Uh, uh, some good yeah. performances on there as well. Um, well, that's all we've got time for tonight. Um, I'm going to look across the Bob to find out who we have next week because it's not on the website. We have to ask your and uh, I will. Uh, well, what so we find t- out? tune in next we've week. <laughs> tune in next week, where you'll find out as will I who we've got coming on uh, in the studio. Uh, but we do have a show. Uh, but that is all we have for tonight. This has been WOMM LP operating out of Burlington, Vermont, 105.9 the radiator. It's been the Rocket Shop. I've been your host on Proctor, and Woo-hoo. That was good night. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That was fantastic.